Hi, welcome to Building a Business That Lasts. My name is Jay Owen, and I'm your host. On a quest towards stories, tips, and ideas that will help you grow a business without being stressed out, worn out, and ready to quit. Each week, I'll interview other business owners who have successfully grown businesses of all types for many years. It's my hope that these conversations will help you build a business that lasts. So one of my favorite ways to learn is through audiobooks, and I use audible.com for that. So what I'd like to do is give away a three-month membership to audible.com. I'm going to do that every single month uh, to somebody that's on our email list. So if you're not on our email list already, go to buildingabusinessthatlasts.com, plug in your email address. I promise I won't spam you. We'll send you one email a week announcing the new podcast as they come out, give you some information and links about those podcasts, and enter you in a chance to win that three-month membership to audible.com. So head over to our website, buildingabusinessthatlasts.com, plug in your email address, and we will get you entered for that contest. Good luck. On this episode, I interview Beth and Tracy Upchurch. Beth has been a teacher here in St. John's County for quite a while. She won Teacher of the Year one year. Tracy was a state representative for a year. He was prominent lawyer for 25 plus years and now serves at Flagler College as an advisor and teacher there. So it was really a, a unique interview because I brought in both of them together as a couple and we ended up talking a lot about marriage and parenting uh, and relationships as a whole. But I think all of those things tie back to business. And I know for me, you know, at this point I've been married 14 years and I certainly would like to hit that 20 year, 30 year, 40 year, 50 year mark at some point at the same time of growing my business through the ages as well. So this interview is kind of a a little bit different than what we've done on some of the other podcasts, but especially for those of you who are married or want to be married one day, and those of you who have children, I think you'll find some really unusual uh, and interesting tips through this interview. I hope it is helpful and that you get as much out of it as I did. Without any further ado, here is my conversation with Beth and Tracy of Church. So what I'd love to start out with is to back all the way up uh, to when y'all first met. So today's podcast is going to be a little bit different because I'd like to talk about kind of that relationship and the life side of things as well as growing a career and growing a business. So whoever wants to kind of take me through like how y'all met originally. Well, we met in college. Beth was still an undergraduate and I had, had finished college and we were in Gainesville and met through mutual friends and... I think one of the things that worked for us is we both knew we wanted to get married. And so we got married earlier than many other people do, particularly now. But even at the time we got married, we were kind of the first of all our friends. And what, you were 20? Mm-hmm. It was legal. It was legal. <laughs> um, and, you know, I was, what, 23? And uh, But we were really clear we were both ready to get married and... Yeah, so I think, and I think by the same token, we had kids really early mm. because we both really wanted kids. We wanted a large family, and we saw that in each other, and so so we did that early. And I guess the only th- other thing I would say about that is, you know, we have been quote unquote empty nesters for a long time, and it's really fun. <laughs> um, I mean, we loved having kids, uh, love having grandkids. But we're in a really happy place in our life because, you know, we still have the joy of them, but also have a lot of time for each other and a lot of time to do other things that interest us and challenge us. And so 
really feel really, really blessed how that all worked out for us. In addition, we're we're young still. I mean, mm. we feel fairly young. Yeah. And, um, you know, when you start having kids as young as we did, I was 22, I guess, maybe 23 with our first. Um, and then I was done by age 33. They're, they're gone. They're all out of college. And having these grandchildren, you know, I'm not 60 yet. And I mm-hmm. have all these grandkids. And so we've got the energy for that and the energy to do the fun things that we still really enjoy. So... Tracy said it, we feel very blessed that we found each other and were in love. Even though we were ready to get married, we actually wanted to marry each other. So that was, you know, that was even better. So, so that's kind of how we met in college. It was really, it was really fun. That's really neat. And I think it's interesting too, because a lot of people, you hear stories of people that kind of end up in that empty nester syndrome and they get through life and they realize that their whole life or their whole marriage anyway, was solely about the kids and then I think that they get to that point and you see story after story of this and they don't even know each other anymore because all they were was mom and dad and not husband right. and wife anymore. And I think that's one of the big things, uh, not that this is a marriage podcast, but for me, mm-hmm. like that Claire and I have tried to really focus on is uh, somebody once told me the best thing you can do for your children is to love your wife. Right. And I think like I see that and I see, even see it in how my boys treat their mother because you know, one of the things that's always funny for me is my kids. I, Claire doesn't love flowers that much. Mm-hmm. She, like, I mean, she likes them. Everybody likes flowers, mm-hmm. but it's not like she doesn't feel like she has to have them for mm-hmm. her birthday or anniversary or whatever else. But I always do it as much for the boys to see me do it as for her. I mean, I do it for her, but but right. if I don't do it, they go, "Hey, why aren't we getting mom flowers?" Why? You know, it's and so it's always interesting to kind of see that. So I I love hearing stories of people who are in that empty nest phase of life and say, "Hey, we're enjoying it. Like we love having kids, but we enjoy where we're at." Mm-hmm. You know, we, Beth and I always had very, I mean, I think one of the things we recognized in each other when we first met and started dating is that we had shared values. And not that our values are the right values for anybody else, but they were right for us and we shared them and still share them. And so we had a lot of fun with our kids and we pushed them to be independent early and I think that was so, you know, they weren't dependent upon us to help them pick out co- classes in college or, you know, lots of things that I see parents doing today. So, so I, think, I think because we wanted them to be independent, mm-hmm. it kind of, I think, always created a, a space. I don't want to use mm-hmm. the word independence again, but an independence for our kids that mm-hmm. when they left, it was a new chapter. It was fun, but it... You know, there's always a little grieving that happens. There's always a little adjustment, but each phase is wonderful and fun and exciting, and and this is this is a fun and exciting one as well. It's awesome. Tracy had a great idea um, early on. Um, it kind of actually both of us kind of worked on it together. But when the kids turned thirteen, we took each of them on was a trip. Your idea was it my idea? It was okay, your idea. Right. <laughs> I'll take credit for it. Um, but we called it the thirteenth trip. And when the kids turned thirteen, and this is just kind of playing off your idea of trying, working really hard to create independent mm-hmm. and um, and confident kids, is um, they each got to pick a special place anywhere in the United States that they wanted to go, and we just went with them. And um, all the grandparents knew and the, where they were going. And instead of a gift, they would give the, the child spending money. And um, so we would take them on this trip, and on that trip, 
they got to pick what we got to do. And it was it was just the three of us. And 13 was kind of a pivotal number because 13 is about the time that your kids are deciding if you're cool or not. Mm-hmm. And, um, and we wanted them to see that, that we could be really fun and that we could be a little different when there's just the three of us as opposed to when there were the six of us. The other thing, though, that really that happened on that 13th trip is that they were they were awarded a little expandable coupon file that was labeled with categories and they were given a budget that every month we would give them a certain amount of money and they were to divide that money up into the categories that were predetermined. Things like school supplies, entertainment, um, gifts for their friends, birthdays. And uh, we tr- it didn't always work perfectly, but we started early on making sure that they recognized the value of money. And when the time came for them to have their, to pay for their yearbook, we wanted them to know, we're not going to give you $75 for this yearbook. You need to have been sort of putting a little bit away at a time um, every month so that when that big expense came, or I think the funniest story was when they wanted to buy new backpacks. They, they realized, if I buy a Jansport, those are guaranteed for life, as opposed to the Spider-Man one. So that was a really fun idea that just carried out with all of our kids. And we had not only amazing trips with each of our kids individually, but that was sort of the start of their, mm. their sort of adult experience with finances. And um, consequently, all of our kids have launched and are independent. And that's yeah. been really fun for us to watch as parents and I think satisfying for them to feel like a confident adult I bet so a couple things one I feel like I'm stealing all your ideas but um, my oldest is about to turn 13 Mm -hmm. and he doesn't know this yet so hopefully he doesn't listen to this but he's been wanting to go to New York City and so we actually have already booked the tickets for him and on his birth, his birth works out because his birthday is on a Thursday. Mm-hmm. So on mm-hmm. Thursday, Claire always gets them three gifts. I guess because Jesus got three gifts and three wise men. So, that's, right. so they get right. three, three gifts. But his third one's going to be like a certificate that says, hey, we're going to New York today. Oh, great. Oh, and, uh, wonderful. Yeah, because oh, we're leaving that afternoon. Great. And then we're going to go for kind of a four-day weekend with him. Because it was that kind of idea yeah. of... I heard um, one of the preachers that I love is a guy in Texas named Matt Chandler. Mm-hmm. And he talks about kind of doing these kind of almost like a rite of passage type ceremony with his children as they yeah. reach that age. And it's, it's, it was kind of, I don't remember if it was my idea or Claire's, probably was hers, that idea of kind of sending them off and yeah. taking them to this, you're entering a new phase of life now. Right. And and also, especially for us, we have five children, you mm-hmm. know, like we have so many children as y'all did too. It's it's one of those things where having that alone time with them, I think is really valuable. I think it's really, really important. I, the term we used to do is date your children. Mm-hmm. And... Um, you know, it's a different dynamic when, when I'm having lunch with Thomas or, you know, when Emily and I are having breakfast or whatever. It's a different dynamic than even if Beth is there, if, if the other kids are there. And I think it's really important. It's important now, and they're all adults, but it was certainly important as as children. And it's fun, and you see them in a different light. And so good. That's awesome. Y'all have wonderful time. Oh, you'll have a great time. Yeah, I'm excited about it. So to tie this back a little bit, because uh, I want to connect it all with the business side right. of some of the things that I think... Are important, and one of the things you had mentioned was shared values, and that's one thing that's really important to us as a company is having this kind of set of core values, kind of a, a vision of where we're going to go. Why do we do what we do? And I was recently reading a book that actually another somebody else recommended while I was doing a podcast interview by a guy named Michael Hyatt called Living Forward, and he talks about kind of creating this life plan, not for your company but for you personally. But thinking about values specifically, both 
in your marriage and family and then in your work environments, how has that played out for you? Have those things changed over the years? Do you feel like they've stayed pretty consistent? How did you kind of, did, did you come to the point where you actually wrote them down so these are the things that are valuable to us or was it just kind of inherent as, as a result of who you were? I don't recall us ever writing them down. No, um, I don't either. I, but I, it would be really interesting if you were to write them down and I were to write them down if we think they're the same values. <laughs> I think they are. That would yeah, be neat. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, but but you, you made reference to this earlier, Jay, that uh, we always worked hard to put our marriage first. Mm-hmm. And we never contradicted each other in front of the children. Now, we may have disagreed silently, sure. but we never showed that to the kids. We never talked ill about one or the other in front of the kids. And so we always felt like we were the team and they were, you know. So right. so we were very clear that there was a, a strong demarcation between us as the parents and them as the children. You know, we, we have always tried to tithe. That was something we started early on, and that's something that we still, still try to do. Uh, and I think that was an important value for us. You know, I would just add when um, Tracy and I came from very different backgrounds, very different backgrounds. I was from you know, an, an extremely poor family. And um, when I met Tracy, he would say things like, you know, when we're married, we're going to need to give away, you know, we're going to need to tithe. And mm-hmm. I can remember my jaw dropping. <laughs> and thinking, well, what are we going to eat? <laughs> right. Exactly. You know? but, um, but he always said, you know, to whom much is given, much is expected. Mm-hmm. And, um, and he he always said that, and and I believed it because he said it, and because it always worked out. He time after time, you know, God was faithful, and um, and I think the in addition to the um, making sure that we were giving back, it was important um, for us to serve. That was another kind of a theme or a general or a common value that we both had. And Tracy's political service. Um, was definitely a service. You know, people people can sometimes think, oh, being in political office is kind of a head trip, and um, and it's it's very sacrificial in a sure. lot of ways. And so, I feel like those were real gifts Tracy gave me was to just to kind of put those values out there on the table, and from that, I think our marriage really grew, and that helped us um, service and giving back helped us make these decisions to have to raise our kids the way we did and and for our marriage sort of the ground you know the roots of our marriage you know another thing that I think is just really practical and I don't know that we ever consciously did this but we check in Mm -hmm. during the day when I practice law and of course I've been at the college for 10 years now but when I practice law I'd call her every day after lunch just because you know it was kind of a little transition time but when we get home at the end of the day, I mean, we kind of give a report, and sometimes it's longer, and sometimes it's shorter, and it's yeah. not not out of any sense of of obligation. It's just something we've always done, and I, you know, I think that's one thing that's allowed us to to um, to share our lives in a real intentional mm-hmm. way. Um, I mean, it's we're talking sitting down in the living room and. You know, and sometimes it's half hour, forty five minutes, and um, sometimes the time will just slip away, and 
we'll realize, oh my gosh, it's dinner time. But that's really been very, very helpful for us because I need to know what's going on with him at mm -hmm. work. And it's important for me to be able to vent or decompress or to get his perspective on something that maybe I'm seeing wrong and vice versa. I think we're each other's best friend. And so making sure that we took that time and we did it even when the kids were at home in all that commotion. Mm -hmm. um, even when he was in Tallahassee, we would, we would check in and connect because that would, that would be a perfect time for a marriage to go to go haywire when someone's, you know, one's in Tallahassee and the other's at home. Sure. So there was the famous night when I called about 9, 30, 10 o'clock and I was in Tallahassee and uh, Beth answers and I said, hey, honey, how are you? I don't have time to talk right now. So what's wrong? She says, well, the kitchen's flooding right now. Oh, no. But your father and Joe are coming over to help me. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> So I felt pretty powerless 200 miles away, but I was grateful for my father oh, and my friends. That's uh, funny. You know, so, I don't think I realized how much I needed that type of communication with Claire until last week she was gone to Haiti for a week. And it was the, we've been apart for, you know, a couple weeks at a time, but it was the first time we've been apart for a whole week with zero communication. No texts, no phone calls, nothing. I got a text when they landed in Haiti safely, and that was it. And, uh, and then she ended up calling me on Sunday. It was almost a week at that, or was a week at that point. And I just wanted to like tell her all these things that had happened all week because I'm so used to that. Like, like yeah. you said, it's kind of this debriefing at the end of the day. Yeah. I don't think I realized how much I valued that until I got it taken away from me uh, for a week. Yeah. Um, and one of the things I think is interesting, if you take kind of the core of that, and the reason that I think that this conversation is valuable on the business side is that relationships are relationships, mm -hmm. and. And whether we're talking about a husband and a wife or a parent and a child or a team member and a team member or a, a leader and a team member, all that communication stuff I think is really critical. And, and establishing clear communication, what I always say is one of the biggest problems in all relationships, whether it's business or personal, is, is misplaced expectations. Mm -hmm. And communication is the bridge between expectations. Mm -hmm. um, and I'd just be kind of curious what your thoughts are on that, both on the professional side and things that you've been through experience of either situations that were poor communication or good communication and how that's affected, you know, growth or areas of time where things get stalled out. Hmm. You know, I, it's, it's funny. We were talking to friends last night about this kind of this idea of, of, of communication relationships. Um, I mean, I, I mean, I think some just, it's a really complicated topic, but some really practical things is, you know, text and email can be deadly mm -hmm. for communication. Yeah. It's, you can't convey nuance. You can't, um, just the other day I was reading, uh, a email from a, per, or a text from a person that I thought was rather snarky and Beth stopped me and she says, that's the way you're reading it, but you can read those words, but different emphasis and it's an entirely different meaning. And mm -hmm. so um, Dr. Joyner, our, our school superintendent, now the president of the college, had, uh, I remember him telling me this one time, he says, you know, I'll get very stern, hard emails from, from parents. And he said, I don't reply other than to say, thank you for your email. Please call me on my cell phone. And I give them my cell phone. Mm -hmm. He says, rarely, rarely, rarely will anyone call because once they've sent that, pretty hard, mean, tough email. They've vented. They're, they've gone to bed. They feel great. Yeah. Um, so, I, so I guess if there's anything, I you know, 
email and text, I think, are just deadly for any type of, of serious communication, emotional communication, I should say. And I think yep. we spend, number one, it can come back to haunt us. It's subject to misinterpretation. It takes a tremendous amount of time and energy to write it well that could be used productively so much better if you just pick up the phone or go have a coffee or go have lunch or something. And, uh, you know, I think that's something both of us have 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 learned sometimes the hard way in our work. At the college, I tell students, I said, look, I'm delighted to talk to you about your grades. You can talk to me before class, after class. You can come to office hours. We'll go have a cup of coffee. But we're not going to do it by email because mm-hmm. they'll send an email at 3 in the morning and they'll be upset and I'm, come see me. But we're mm-hmm. not going to do this by email. Mm-hmm. Um, I think another thing that's so important, at least for me, is to take the time to risk and go back and clarify with someone if I think and suspect I've misunderstood. And that can be a risk because sometimes you can go, did they mean this or did they mean this? And then you you sometimes realize, ooh, they really did mean (laughs) that that icky thing that I thought. But clarification is is the second part for me. Um, And I think that's something, that's why Tracy and I talk for so long at the end of the day. I'll say, well, when, when you said this, did you mean this or did you mean this? Because it it takes a lot of work to listen and mm-hmm. it takes a lot of work to transpose that and how does that impact the bigger picture and i think we forget to actively listen and make sure that we've understood it's one thing to read the email or to listen and and understand but then to go back and say is this what you're really saying mm-hmm. i am so guilty of that like <laughs> i have created so many problems over time by sending an email that should have been a phone call and and I think part of my mistake, and I think a lot of businesses now do, is like I've always been a big pusher of passive communication for a lot of things. Well, for task-based stuff, that's perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. We need to get something done. I don't need to interrupt somebody with a phone call to ask them to do something next week. But if I have a problem, and this actually happened to me yesterday, I had had a meeting with somebody to, to clarify some, to talk through some issues, and... And then another idea came to mind, a follow-up to that conversation. And what I should have said was, hey, I've thought of a few more things I'd like to discuss. Let's set up a call. Let's get together. And instead what I did was I said, hey, I'm a thing. And, I, and I, honestly, my heart in it was not negative at all. But when I go back, when I saw the response that I got today and then I went back and read, read my original, I thought, mm, if yeah. I had read that, yeah. I, it, I, it should, I just shouldn't have, it shouldn't have been in writing. Like it should have been because mm-hmm. you can't detect tone, you can't right. detect body language, you can't detect all those kind of things. Right. And I think that businesses today, and all relationships, but businesses especially, get themselves in so much trouble. Mm-hmm. And I have to back myself up and my own team because I've, I've encouraged passive communication, whether it's um, email or instant messaging or text, even really email, like I've pushed so hard, or our task-based system that we use, which works really well for a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. But when you have something you really got to work out, it, it almost always ends up bad. And I guess, just, and I agree with you wholeheartedly, and there's just another aspect, particularly for, for business folks, which is you now will waste both time and emotional energy going back and cleaning it up yeah. When you know, if 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 there if we had communicated more effectively initially, uh, it would you, you'd be off doing something more fun and more productive. Yeah. One other thing I think, and and we, it's not just Beth and I, but with our kids and close friends, 
You know, sometimes when all we want to do is vent. I don't need you to solve this problem. Just listen to me. Mm -hmm. Because I think oftentimes, you know, we want to be fixers. We want to solve a problem. And sometimes David will call and and it's really clear all he wants is me to listen to him. And that's really good to know because that, you know, it's really important. And uh, so I think being kind of clear what our expectations are uh, in a communication is helpful too. There's this um, funny YouTube video, which I may link to in the show notes on this podcast because it, it relates to that precisely. And it's this video of a woman and she has a nail in her forehead. And she's talking about all this pain that she has. And she's talking about how she feels and how her head hurts and all these things. And her husband's sitting there and he's going, well, there's a nail. And she's like, no, 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 you're not listening to me. I just... And, it, and he's like, I know, but like there's a there's a nail. Right and she's like, I, I know, but like just... I just... She just wanted to tell, like just like you said, like I don't need you to fix it. I just need you to listen, and that is hard. Like for especially for somebody like me, like my personality type is great. I've heard you say this, this, and this. Here's how we're going to fix it. Like, and I, I that is hard for me. But I have had to learn, uh, especially in marriage, but even in business too. Sometimes, like you were talking about earlier, with letting the kids have the opportunity to pay for things themselves, figure out things themselves. I think that applies when you're growing a team too because for so long I operated the business by myself and I was so used to being the one that had to fix everything. Mm -hmm. That that then as I started to have people on my team, I just carried on with that mentality. Mm -hmm. Like they did what they could do and then when there was a problem, I came in and I fixed the problem. And and now I've gotten to the point where I've slowly (laughs) over a long period of time learned that Sometimes you have to let other people make their own mistakes because I had that opportunity. I had, yes. I think one of the one of the greatest reasons that I've been able to grow this business for eighteen years in a row is that I was allowed to mess up because there were times when nobody was going to catch it, and I like I had to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And for me to not give my team the same opportunities, and and granted, I don't want anybody to make a mistake that's going to be a fatal mistake. And I think it's the same with kids. Like you, you don't sure. want to make a fatal mistake, sure, but you do want them to make mistakes that then they can go, oh right. Because sometimes I feel like certain personalities they just have to do it, right, and see what happens. Sure, <laughs> for better well, or worse. Along that same line, one of the things that that I think Tracy and I have enjoyed talking about, especially since he's moved to the college, are the relationships with um, with other professors and there are some that I can I am a lot like some of the people mm-hmm. that he works with and I'm very different than some of the people he works with and so when he comes home and he needs to vent we we're we're okay and you almost have to say I need you to be okay with me saying to you I don't want you to fix this mm-hmm. I have to say all right I'm just here to listen and then I ask permission is it okay if I give you some feedback now? Mm-hmm. You know, and he'll say sometimes no, yeah. <laughs> um, no, not, but maybe tomorrow. You know, and then later on, once he's vented, or and it works the same for me, we're then ready to maybe hear someone else's perspective, and mm-hmm. may, you may, maybe you can try this, maybe you can try this. But it is important to let people make mistakes because it's really not mistakes. You know, as a teacher, we're always saying, you know, you're you're not making a mistake. You're really learning what doesn't work. You know, and you're learning not to do that or that that doesn't work in this situation. So, so you know, there's a million teacher quotes out there about making mistakes is that that's those are really you have to make mistakes in order to learn and take new steps and to grow. 
there's a lot of research out there about a growth mindset. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it's all about how the brain, when it is struggling to learn something or figure something out, it um, neurons are actually connecting and you have to go through the struggle because the brain is like a muscle and it gets stronger mm-hmm. as you work harder. And so anyway, part of part of the philosophy of this growth mindset is that your brain is working and, it, and it, that's... Part of it is solving problems. Part of it is working and processing issues that you're dealing with and learning new materials. So that's another podcast maybe. Yeah, that's good. One of the things that um, you said there was talking about growth. And I recently got to see John Maxwell live, which was really neat. And one of his newest books is around personal growth. Mm -hmm. And he talked a lot about intentionality in personal growth. You know, you, you can't just... It's easy, I think, especially when you have a lot of kids or you got a busy business or anything else, to just wake up and just do the same thing over and over again. And, and I think our, our culture, to some extent, lends itself to that. And we're, we, all, we can feel like we're kind of stuck in this rat race and we're just running a wheel. And every day it's just the same wheel over and over again. And, and there has to be intentionality behind growth. One of the examples that he gives, which I really like, is he says, you know, there, let's say there's a big tree that you want to chop down and all you've got is an axe. Well... That you can't go out in one day and, and chop down this gigantic tree with an axe. You just don't have enough strength or energy to take it down in one day. He's like, but if you go out there every single day and take mm-hmm. five hacks at that tree, mm-hmm. eventually mm-hmm. that tree will fall. It may take six months. It may take six years. Right. But if you just keep doing the, the if you keep moving forward, that tree will fall. So the, the purpose behind that is I'm curious for you both individually whether it is professionally as you've kind of transitioned over time and done different things or personally as you've grown, what kind of resources have you leaned on, whether it's a friendship, a mentor, certain books? Um, what, what kind of things have you leaned on over time to help you continue to move forward and grow? Gosh, you know, I, having been a teacher for as long as I have been, I've, I have a little bit of wanderlust, and, mm-hmm. and I, I can't stay in the same position very long. Because I, I get a little bored, sort of what you what you talked about, doing sure. the same thing every day. So I, I've worked in starting preschools, being directors of daycare centers, worked in the public school system and in, in, in the classroom, and then working specifically with gifted students for three years. And I'm actually now transitioning to a position at the college mm. where I'll be working with um, supervising mm. interns. And there's something really important about listening to your not discontent, but that inner voice of there's something else I want to learn and there's something else I want to try. And I think being honest and saying, gosh, that's kind of interesting. And I wonder how you would do that. And could I ever do that? And so for for Tracy and I, I think we've always been very interested in making sure that we listen to those voices and that we research and talk about it and ask other people and um, go back to education. I mean, I'm getting my master's now in gifted education, and um, that I think has really helped me to l- continue to learn more. And then with all the books that you read, with your you know with your con- consistent studies, it it just sort of makes your brain go on fire. But I, I think encouraging one another emotionally to not become um, stagnant or to listen when you're discon- when you have a feeling of discontent mm-hmm. trying to nail what is it I, yeah and let me just pick up on that I think it was 
It was, it was hard for us early in our marriage. There was the time, I remember I was laying on the bed and told Beth that I wanted to ride my bike across the country. And here she is with one or two babies. And it's kind of like, well, what the heck am I supposed to do <laughs> while you're riding your bike across the country? So it was a restlessness. It was an interest I had. But, you know, it took us some time to kind of... I would come home and say, God, there's a great house for sale at the beach. Well, Beth thought, oh, my God, have to start packing. We're moving. When all I was doing was just saying there was a great house for sale at the beach. So part of it is, so I think both of us have, uh, to some degree, a restlessness. And Mm -hmm. we we like new challenges. We like new interests. And so we've done, both of us, very fundamentally different things over the course of our, our married life and our professional lives. And I think it's wonderful, and I'm sure Beth thinks it's wonderful mm-hmm. because it adds life and joy to, to our lives. Mm-hmm. But it does require permission and support from your partner. And, you know, when I made the decision to leave my law practice and go to the college, that was a dramatic shift yeah. in what we were doing. But, but, you know, Beth was wonderfully supportive about doing that. And so I think there's, you know, me being in an elected office was, I mean, that, that had lots of ramifications for our families, but mm. something that, that she was always very supportive of. And so, um, I think the support, the permission, mm. the, the encouragement, uh, to make those fundamental changes are, I think has been really important for both of us. You know, there's something else, and this is drifting a little bit from your from your question, but I, but at least for me, I have always seen our marriage and our relationship as a partnership, mm. where we where we are in every sense of the word equals in this. And I'll be really, I've been very clear with Beth, and it's very clear to me. It's always been important for me for her to work. Mm-hmm. and to bring money into our family. We don't have to make the same amount of money. And, you know, we, we certainly take a lead in one area of the life or the other, but the fact that we're in this together and mm-hmm. sharing this together, whether it's changing diapers or washing dishes or bringing home a paycheck, um, has been really important to me. Well, and tying that back to your question, Jay, you know, I think what, what we're saying is really it's really important to communicate well with your either your marriage partner or your business partners. It's also really important to allow your business partners to dream mm. and to make mistakes, and it's important to communicate. So in so many ways, a marriage is so much like a business because, yeah. you know, you're, um, you've got to do those same things. In a marriage, you've got, you know, that commitment to each other and your children, and I would hope that people would take that same commitment to their businesses mm. and be able to work with people who saw it as 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 serious as that. But I think I think so much of what we've talked about today is allowing each other to dream, making sure you clarify and listen, making sure you know how to handle mistakes, um, and being willing to give somebody room when they need to be quiet and kind of vent. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. We're uh, coming to the end of our time. I think I probably could talk with you all all day, and uh, I really am just so thankful for you being here. One of the things uh, just I want to connect back to what you just said was talking about kind of being willing to make change mm-hmm. when you feel like that's where the change needs to come. I think that's a thing mm-hmm. in business, too, is one of those areas where a lot of people get stuck, and this is how we've always done it. Right. And for me, like, 
if it's still working and there's a good reason behind it, like, then that's maybe not a reason to change something. But at the same time, just because you've always done it that way doesn't mean it has to always be that way. Right. If Blockbuster had taken a different tact like Netflix did, they might still be in business today. Right. And and being willing to pivot and change and adjust over time, there's a lot of things we do now that we didn't do five or ten years ago. Uh, the iPhone didn't exist, you know, mm-hmm. a little over ten years ago. Social mm-hmm. media wasn't even a like that wasn't even a vocabulary term that we right. used. But but absolutely everything you said. But for us, change is really fun. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's really it's life giving. It provides wonderful energy, and so so doing things differently is life giving. I think a lot of people are scared of change. But I think that sometimes you're missing out by not being willing to go, hey, let's just try it. You yeah, know? Like I like, get excited when he said there's a house for sale. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's not like, oh, no, we have to move. It's like, yay, change. <laughs> it's, you're right. It's funny because Claire and I do some of those kind of things. Like she'll say, oh, it would be really nice if we put an addition onto the house and do this and this. And, and all I hear is... You need to go make more money so that we can add onto the house. That's all I hear. I literally, it makes me like the, my insides go. Okay, you have to get your laptop out right now and find a way to make some more money because she's ready to put a hundred fifty thousand dollars house addition on tomorrow. You right? Know? She already got. She's got a Pinterest page already. Exactly. And that's usually, usually she's like, no, no, no. I'm just, I'm just dreaming. I just yes. let me dream. Yes. You know? So it's it's funny to hear those parallels and um, sure and really just so thankful for y'all's insight today and time. Is there anything else that, that we haven't talked about that you feel like would be valuable to leave with business owners or husbands and wives or anybody else? You, you know, the one thing I I would say is that each of you as a as a partner in the couple um, has seasons. Mm-hmm. And I I remember I loved it I love this story. There was we were in the thick of Tracy being in Tallahassee and we had adjusted and I was at the ballpark one day and all four of the kids were there on different fields and we had a routine and Tracy's in Tallahassee and we were rocking and rolling. I mean we had our system down and um I looked across the field and across this field this man and a in a pair of pants, work work pants, and a dress shirt and a tie, was walking across the field. I thought, gosh, he walks just like Tracy. And and the closer he got, I realized it was Tracy. And it was a Wednesday, and session was in. And I and I thought someone had died. Honestly, I thought this is bad news. He's coming to tell me something. And I said, What are you doing here? You're supposed to be in Tallahassee. <laughs> and he said, I needed to be with my family. Hmm. And we were, and I was thrilled to have him home. The kids were thrilled to have him home. I think he was probably the most excited to be home because he clearly needed to be there. And that was the beginning of when he realized that he wasn't willing to make that particular sacrifice for much longer because he missed his family. But we loved that season in our life. We adjusted. We benefited. We, you know, the kids could see that I could fix things around the house. And it's very important to allow your partners to go through seasons because I'm in a new season now and I'm, I'm doing some different things. And he's been very supportive and encouraging. And so um, that's what I would say to, to couples and, and to business partners is Pay enough attention to realize that your partner may be in a, in a season of change and that it, it may be temporary, it may be permanent, it may be good, maybe they, it may not be so good, maybe they need a little help. But um, I just think recognizing that as a, a period of growth and change when they need support is, is something I think we've worked hard to give one another. And it's been blessed, it's always been a blessed, blessed season when we do that. That's awesome.
Thank you for having us. Thank you so much for the uh, example that your life is, and uh, keep it up. Keep up the good work, I should say, (laughs) and um, and finish well. Like you are, you guys are uh, just the kind of people that I just um, so greatly respect and admire, and uh, appreciate you taking the time this morning to do this with with me. And I hope that it's been helpful for those of you that are listening. This was one of those conversations that I feel like could have kept going all day. Beth and Tracy are just the kind of folks that have been involved with so much here in the city that I live in and uh, have been so helpful to so many. Uh, It's interesting, even in our office, there's only 12 of us on our team, and me plus two other guys had both had significant uh, situations in life where the Upchurches had been involved and, and, and just played a positive role for us uh, over many years. So it's pretty neat to have had them in today to have this conversation about marriage and parenting and business and relationships a little bit kind of sidetracked from the typical one-on-one uh, business that lasts conversation that we have on this podcast. But I know it was super helpful to me, and I hope that you got some ideas out of it as well. This podcast is sponsored by Design Extensions. Design Extensions is a full-service digital marketing agency that provides marketing strategy, website, and design services that help others grow their business. If you're looking for help in achieving your marketing goals, growing your business, improving your website, or upgrading your image, make sure to check out Design Extensions at designextensions.com. I hope this episode has given you some ideas or inspiration that will help you grow your business. If you found it helpful and you know somebody else who might benefit from it as well, I would greatly appreciate it if you would take the time to share this with them, maybe on Facebook or Twitter or LinkedIn, or even shoot an email over to a friend uh, with a link to this podcast in it. And if you haven't already, make sure you sign up for our email list at buildingabusinessthatlasts.com.